The following podcast was recorded on Thursday, April 28, 2022, featuring Sam Rines of Arbor Data Science. To hear the podcast in real time, you can sign up for a free trial at arborresearch.com or by emailing Gus Handler directly at gus.handler at arborresearch.com. You can also call Arbor Research and Trading at 1-800-606-1872. Thanks for your time and enjoy the podcast. Welcome everyone to the latest edition of Talking Data. I'm your host, Kristen Radish with Arbor Research and Trading, joined today by our commentator, Sam Rines of Arbor Data Science. Welcome, Sam. Hey, Kristen. Good to see you. Today, Sam gives us an update on the higher end consumer through luxury goods and travel to spontaneous places. So Sam, regardless of income tiers, all consumers are feeling inflation, but how has inflation impacted the higher end luxury market? It's interesting because it's it's somewhat of a dispersed market, right? And it's somewhat fatty when you get to it, right? It's it's a little bit of which which handbag or uh, which shoes are really popular at the moment, right? Uh, sometimes it's uh, vintage Nike, sometimes it's vintage Adidas. You know, there's a huge differentiation between uh, one luxury good and another. And quite frankly, what we've been seeing is, you know, going kind of keeping on our alternative investments and kind of the outlandish things that people uh, put money into, you know, you've seen a lot of these uh, luxury goods become collectibles over time. You know, watches for a long time have been collectibles, uh, but now you're beginning to see things like shoes, handbags, et cetera, begin to increasingly not only become uh, fashion in the current sense, but also uh, collectibles in terms of, you know, what is, uh, retro, vintage, uh, and popular at the moment. So it's it's a very dispersed market, uh, but you are seeing significant inflation pressures there. You know, the luxury market is not uh, immune from supply chain issues. It's not immune from labor issues. It's not you know immune from COVID shutdowns, uh, et cetera. So you, you are seeing that higher end uh, luxury market be affected by inflation in ways that you wouldn't really expect it to be uh, given that the higher end consumer tends to have a rather inelastic taste for goods. And how about access to a lot of these luxury markets? When you think of cars in particular, interest rates are going up. Um, how about leasing of luxury cars? Oh, that's, an, that's, a, that's a great, this is a great point. What's really interesting to me is that you have a combination here of two factors. One, you have a significant uh, problem with uh, trying to find a new luxury vehicle, uh, right? You, you don't have as many shipments from uh, Germany, right? They've had significant problems on their supply chain side, whether it's uh, COVID shutdowns and related uh, and an electricity crisis, right? They have extremely high electricity prices given their energy crunch and, and that's had an effect too. So, uh, you know, if you, if you have fewer Mercedes, fewer BMWs, Porsches, Audis, um, you know, Lexus, uh, et cetera, to buy, uh, it's going to, you know, increase the price. And, you know, you put that on top of interest rates and you, you create, you know, interest rates rising and you create much higher uh, payments on leases than you did before, uh, right? A, a lease of a luxury car uh, three or four years ago was pretty accessible. Uh, it wasn't as expensive as you might've thought to be able to drive, uh, you know, a new BMW or a new Mercedes around. Uh, that's that's dramatically changing as the supply chain issues, lack of new vehicle availability, uh, really begin to flow through the system. And, and, and to the point on going back to luxury goods, one one other point that I think is really important to make 
is one of the largest luxury markets historically has been China. And with uh, the lockdowns there, uh, you know, 40 ish percent of GDP, you know, rumors that Beijing is possibly going to lock down. That's going to be a continuous hit to some of these luxury good makers um, in, in some ways. Uh, but it could also call it somewhat help with the supply chain issues for US and European uh, markets where you might have a, a lack of availability of goods, but instead of shipping to China, you now ship to the US or ship uh, to other European countries. So you may actually have an interesting, uh, call it help to fixing some of those supply chain issues as you have the world's largest luxury or second largest uh, luxury growth market begin to uh, hiccup a little bit here. And one change since we started our podcast series talking about all of this is some of the mask mandates, most of them have been lifted. So you're starting to see a resurgence in travel. And one of those places when we talk about spontaneous travel or leisure, what about Vegas? That has many uh, meanings when you think of consumer activity. So what does return to Vegas really tell us? So it, it's an, it, this, is one of, this is one of the most interesting and telling points when it comes to uh, business and leisure travel, uh, because it's both of them, uh, right? And a lot of conferences happen in Vegas because you have some of the largest availability of hotel rooms, of uh, conference room spaces, et cetera. So it's, it's a two side in, then you have the uh, people who want to go for a bachelor, bachelorette party, gamble, go to the pool, have some cocktails, great food. Um, it's, it's very much uh, what I like to think of as the tip of the spear in terms of uh, excess cash spending, right? It's kind of, it's the party town of the, you know, of the world, basically. Um, and what you've seen is actually a significant amount of activity uh, and that picking up. Uh, part of that is, you know, some return to conferences. You know, there's some of that. There's not a lot. There's still a lot of virtual conferences happening. But you do have a significant amount of return of leisure travel as well. Uh, when you take the masks off and you begin to be able to, you know, go to the restaurants, go gamble, sit at the actual table, uh, that that's a different story than, you know, having a mask on, you know, having plexiglass next to you, having to worry about whether or not you're properly spaced tables, et cetera. Um, and you don't have to wear a mask on the plane. So it's a lot, you know, it's a little bit better in ease of travel. Uh, so I do think that signs of normalcy yeah. when we think of yeah. normal business travel, leisure picking up all along those categories. Yeah. And, and it's not that, you know, I do not think that you're going to see some sort of surge in business travel, but I, I like to think of it as biz leisure, right? If I can, you know, if I can take a, you know, a flight, to anywhere and work from anywhere. Um, you know, I might take, you know, the family on a, you know, long weekend trip and work from work remotely, right? Most of the US economy can do that. And that's an interesting change in the way that you know the US is working. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. So I think the biz leisure kind of trend is something to pay attention to as well. And on top of that, you've seen American Airlines, Delta, United, Southwest, all really pointing towards demand for uh, airfares picking up and being sustainable, at least through the summer months. I, I, and, you know, their return to profitability, even with oil prices, right? They're able to pass on the increase in aviation fuel prices to the end consumer. And that's, that's you know, that's a big deal. So there is this continuous kind of undertone of people beginning to go to the house and go find, you know, someplace to go, be outside, do something, be not in the city that they've been trapped in for two and a half years. 
And does the U.S. consumer have the spending capacity to overcome the inflation dynamics? So at the low end, no. At the low end, the incomes are not keeping up with the price price pressures. Um, and that's mostly due to the consumption basket, right? It's a lot more uh, a lot more of the disposable or uh, non-disposable income is spent on food and energy. And both of those prices are high and likely to stay elevated for some time. Uh, you know, that's that's difficult to overcome, even if you're seeing wage increases of five or six percent. You know, guess what? Energy and food are up more than that. Uh, when you you know that that's true of the call it the bottom forty-ish percent of the income uh, brackets. Uh, the top 60% are either seeing no real change to their disposable income or even seeing their disposable income increase simply because they spend less on food and energy. And that's where the majority of the pricing pressures that we're seeing uh, have really come through. So how do we monitor this higher end? Ah, so it's, it, it, there's so many different ways to do it. I do think that watching uh, some of the metrics on uh, Vegas uh, are probably pretty important. That's a significant sign of what people are doing and how they feel with their disposable income at the at the higher end. Uh, you know, there's there's a couple of other ways. You know, there's an interesting uh, chart in here of uh, uh, auto pricing um, and how people are insuring their cars. I think this is also one one to watch. Uh, this okay. it goes it kind of goes back to our collectible car conversation, uh, where you're begin. You know, you've seen increasing prices of uh, collectible cars and higher end vehicles, and people are are insuring those at ever higher values. Um, when you begin to see those insurance rates begin to move back down, that's a sign that you're beginning to see the, the higher end consumer either feel less, uh, call it less great about the outlook, uh, but also a little more tentative about their uh, investment portfolio. So this might this might actually be one of those off the wall. Uh, things to watch as we move forward for just an underlying sentiment trend uh, for the higher end consumer. It's, it's also worth noting that when the Fed began to tighten policy, um, this moved lower uh, pretty quickly. So I would, I would be paying attention to that quite a bit. And why is it important to understand the mentality of that high end spender, that higher tier? Uh, because they're, they're, the, they're kind of the last quote unquote to go when it comes to a recession. Uh, they they do not have the same t type of price sensitivities as the lower end, right? The lower end uh, will go first, and we've seen that with some of the earnings reports. Uh, McDonald's was somewhat disappointing on same-store sales. Granted, they had psychotically good same-store sales a year ago, uh, but the same-store sales were somewhat disappointing. Um, and that's very much indicative of the lower-end consumer feeling a little more pressure. Uh, but the lower end consumer reacts first and the higher end consumer uh, will react last and is typically uh, the turning point for a either the difference between a slowdown and a recession. So in summary today, Sam, what should we watch for next? Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Uh, a lot of things. Uh, I would really be watching that that higher end consumer pretty carefully as we begin to really work through uh, earnings. I would also be watching uh, energy companies. Uh, we we get the majority of uh, the energy reports over the next week. Uh, that will be a really telling sign. You know, are they beginning to pick up their capex? Are they guiding to higher production numbers, or are they holding steady on their capital discipline? If they're holding steady on their capital discipline, that's that's going to that's going to cement these oil prices uh, higher than I think people are anticipating. Uh, 
uh, over the longer run, right? If they're not drilling now, when are they going to drill? It's $100 oil. I mean, it's it's a pretty easy uh, metric for them. So I think that's going to be really critical to watch over the next week. Great. Well, thank you, Sam. We appreciate all your thoughts today. And thank you to everyone for joining us. We are client driven. If you have any questions or feedback on future topics, please let us know. You can contact Gus Handler at gus.handler at arborresearch.com with any questions or comments. Thanks, everyone, and have a wonderful day.